This episode is brought to you in part by Thomas Nelson, publisher of But God Can, How to Stop Striving and Live Purposefully and Abundantly, written and narrated by Becky Kaiser and is available everywhere audiobooks are sold. Jeffrey Harmon, welcome to Viral Jesus. They made up conspiracy theories about this film to try to get people to say, oh, that's a signal I'm not supposed to watch. But what we had done is before those started coming out, those all started coming out about 24, 48 hours before the movie launched, we had already pre-sold over $10 million of tickets. From Christianity Today, this is Viral Jesus, a show about communication and the power of social connections, where we talk to some of the most influential Christian content creators to find out how they've made their faith go viral. Everyone I talk to on this show is someone I follow or was told to follow online. Most of the conversations you'll hear are with people I have never met in person, yet they've impacted how I think. What does it look like for Christians to enter the chat thoughtfully? Let's grow together on Viral Jesus. I'm your host, Heather Thompson Day. Hello, hello. It is the last day of August. <laughs> and I I'm I know I'm weird, but I have this weird thing about dates. So I particularly like when I get to start a month with you. And I also particularly like when I get to end a month with you. So we I get to end August with you. And I feel like that's significant for some reason. <laughs> I am so fascinated by the conversation we are going to have today. I had heard a lot of controversy about the movie the Sound of Freedom. I don't know if you've heard about it, but there's been some controversy surrounding it. I haven't seen it. And after my conversation today with the CCO of Angel Studios that produced the film, his name is Jeffrey Harmon, I am definitely, I'm going to see the movie. But we will get into that in a little bit, okay? But before we do that, let's just, should we just take a breath, you know, and kind of slow this thing down? <laughs> let's slow down and make some time for a more casual conversation. So this next segment that we're going to do, I, I kind of think of it like, if you were to come over to my house and sit in my living room with like a little blanket on your lap, because everybody gets a blanket when they come in my house and it's a Saturday night and we're sitting on my couch, what do you think we would be talking about? That is exactly the kind of conversations I wanna start having in this new segment so that we can have like a little lighter, like an appetizer conversation before we get into these heavier conversations with our amazing guests. But don't worry, don't worry. When you're at my house, when you're on my couch with a little blanket on in my living room, it is always going to be a safe space. We have a new segment this season called Safe Space, and this is where I sit down with my best friend and co-blogger with I'm That Wife, Scarlett Longstreet, and we just talk about things that maybe we differ on opinion on, things from social media to culture. Maybe we won't differ. I don't know, but we're going to do it in a safe space because I think something that we have done well in our friendship, Scarlett, do you agree? Is that we have a safe space for each other? It's safe here. It's safe here. So I want to talk today. I just saw Barbie. 
I just saw Barbie this week and right after I saw it, I saw a tweet. I'm just going to read it. It says Barbie has officially become Warner Brothers highest grossing movie worldwide grossing right now $1.4 billion. And I told Scarlett, I want to talk about Barbie. And she said we should talk about, uh, you were saying that you saw that there were some parents who were upset over their kids seeing Barbie. Yeah, I think a lot of adults felt like maybe some of the themes were too mature for children. I mean, I would say that Barbie wasn't made for kids, for one. 100%. When we were talking about this last night and you said some parents were, I mean, I don't know what you mean by up in arms. Were they actually up in arms or are you being dramatic? Did you see people like raging because they brought their kids to Barbie? I saw people saying that they walked out of the theater. And I mean, I think that's them transferring maybe their own discomfort. I don't, I brought my eight-year-old daughter to see it. Mm. And what I will say is I think that because it wasn't geared for children, that it mostly flew over her head and she was actually kind of bored. Bored during it. Yeah. I mean, which makes sense because it was mature themes, Uh, but I didn't find it to be inappropriate on on any level. So I didn't take my daughter. She asked to go. I didn't take her. She's 11. Mainly because, and I actually think you and I parent the same when it comes to what we let our kids consume. Yeah. That is one of the things I think maybe you're definitely, I would say you're quote unquote more strict than I am. Yeah, but but I don't, when it comes to like, you are absolutely more progressive than me, but when it comes to what they consume, don't you think that we're kind of the same? Oh, pretty vanilla. I'm very, I, I mean, I, well, the music gets a little out of hand sometimes in my house, but as far as um, visual content, and of course I don't want them, you know, consuming explicit material, Absolutely. but I, I let bad words go a little bit, but I absolutely don't want them to be exposed to anything salacious, anything that is going to, right, just be inappropriate and expose them to things that, they, I don't really want them to be, of course, scared or worried or over-sexualized or anything like that. So with that being said, I do not think that Barbie did that. I think it actually introduced probably important themes. I mean, patriarchy exists. It's a system we live within. And I think it's probably dangerous not to address those things with our kids in an age-appropriate way, of course. Yeah. I mean, I'm not, I didn't take her, I don't have like a strong opinion. I would never be like, I couldn't have taken her. I don't feel like that. I just hadn't seen it yet. So it was more of my not being sure what was going to be shown, which is why I didn't take her. That said, if she wanted to see it, I I also don't think she'd like it. You know what I mean? Like, I just think it wasn't up a kid's alley, which is, which is why she probably won't see it. But she did ask me, can I see Barbie? And I said, sure. If you want to see Barbie next year, you could see Barbie. But I just didn't take her this year. I don't have a strong opinion as to why other than I was worried that there would be more sexually explicit material than there was. So actually, I was I was happy that they they didn't make it about that at all. No. Um, so two things. One, I actually saw it twice. So I did pre-screen it. Oh. Before. Yes. So I am maybe perhaps a little more conservative. This is what I'm saying. And I think this is fascinating because I had Sarah Bessie and she's a very progressive Christian writer. And yet she also is the same when it comes to like what she personally consumes and media content. She tends to be more 
conservative. I just think, you know, there's, it's a, it's a scary place out there. So it's it's dangerous. No, I do. I like to know what's going into my my impressionable minds. I do play a lot of machine gun Kelly for them on the other (laughs) hand. So, um, they can rap with the best of them. With that being said, the interesting thing was my daughter's one takeaway was, is she said, I was disappointed that Barbie and Ken didn't kiss. And I thought that was so interesting because the film, it was like that, that was the complete message. Right. But here is my little daughter. And that was alarming for me too, because it, it did show me, wow, this sort of like cultural indoctrination is so strong that even my little eight-year-old is saying, but where's the romance? Where is this non-platonic relationship that I want to be modeled for me between a man and a woman? Yeah, which is interesting because how it ends. I actually, we shouldn't say. I'm not going to stop you. You can go see Barbie um, and see, but the ending is kind of even about that point. So did you take your kids to see Barbie? Do you have a certain line when it comes to what your kids are able to see? Let us know. You can always at me, Heather Thompson Day, Scarlett Longstreet on Instagram or Viral Jesus Pod. You know, with us, it's always going to be a safe space. Today, I got to sit down with Jeffrey Harmon. Jeffrey is a co-founder and chief content officer of Angel Studios. He's a co-founder of the Harmon Brothers Advertising Agency, which has helped clients drive over $350 million in sales with over 1.3 billion views. So when this interview opportunity came to me, I wanted to take it because, first of all, Angel Studios, if you are familiar with The Chosen, they're the ones that developed The Chosen, which I absolutely love that series. I'm a big fan of The Chosen. But I was super interested to have this conversation today because I had heard some of the controversy surrounding this new film by Angel Studios called Sound of Freedom. You know, so there's been talk, some people say that you buy a ticket and and you get to the film and there's nobody in the theater. Or other people, I've had people personally tell me that they saw the film and it was like one of the most incredible films that they've ever seen. And so there's just been a lot of talk around this movie. And so when the opportunity came to sit down with Jeffrey, I was like, yes, please. I want to hear straight from the person. Let's go to the actual source. I don't want to have any bias. I want to hear from you. Tell me why you made this film and kind of what some of the marketing strategy has been at play. So I want to tell you, I haven't seen it. I haven't seen the film, but I do plan to, honestly, after having the conversation. If you have also heard about Sound of Freedom and have been wondering what it is, I think this conversation may help you. I focus most of my questions for Jeffrey around his marketing strategy because, you know, I mean, as a communication professor, I find that kind of stuff to just be really fascinating. They're obviously very good at it. The film has grossed over $156 at the box office. I mean, it's outbeating Indiana Jones. It's just kind of like the shock of the summer that this small independent house, smaller studio, small budget has done so well. It's wild. 
I had also heard some people linking the film to QAnon. So I do directly just ask Jeffrey about that. And I probably shouldn't share my bias with you. I don't know if that if this is bad, but we're friends. Um, I genuinely, personally, after meeting with him and hearing about their mission, I'm going to go see the film. I really enjoyed my conversation with him. I feel like he's a brilliant guy. I really think personally, Christians have to stop avoiding culture and should be impacting it. And I think that's why I'm so drawn to what they're doing, because that's what they're trying to do is disrupt Hollywood and create not just Christian films, but excellent films that people are talking about. And so they've achieved that. So I I really enjoyed this conversation. And I hope you also enjoy my conversation with Jeffrey Harmon. So we always start this show by reading back something that somebody has posted online. And I had to scroll through for you, Jeffrey. I did a lot of scrolling because you you like do a lot of retweets. Do yeah, you know that about I do. I do retweet a fair amount. I, I I don't know. I just I don't really think about what I'm doing on Twitter. I just post whatever. <laughs> There's no strategy. Do retweets <laughs> equal endorsements for you? Uh, no, no. Retweets are just like train of thought. Okay. Here's what I found. So this is a quote tweet. So is it a subtweet? It's like a, I don't know, because now it's X. So a sub X. Here's the sub X that you did. So the, the original tweet said, the sound of freedom outgrosses Mission Impossible. And you quote tweeted that and said, the headline I never expected. Have you been genuinely shocked by the yes. impact that this film has made? Yes. Yes. It's bigger than than I would have expected. I had big expectations for this project. We did. We looked at the pre-sales. But there's always this question mark in your head of, will your kind of like, I call it brute force marketing, where you're just driving sales in through conversions and raw stats, what happens when it tips? When it mm. switches over from you're buying all the exposure and you're building the awareness through traditional by purchasing your way there versus it tips and every single person is talking about it and it's a must-see and there's people dragging their friends out. And so what, what happens when it tips? And you never know exactly like what the multiple will be after that that tipping point and Sound of Freedom definitely tipped in a bigger way than I expected. And I'm so excited, honestly, to talk to you today about that. I heard you say on another podcast interview you did, I did some stalking of you. You said, Angel Studios is a disruptor to the Hollywood space. What do you mean Mm -hmm. by that? Well, we're serving unserved markets. Mm. Hollywood is in this kind of a bubble that's created by the Hollywood gatekeepers. If you go to LA... If you want to, I don't know where you're at, uh, Heather. If you're I'm in, in LA, Saint but. Joe, Michigan, where there's two stoplights. But tell me about the city. <laughs> okay. Tell me what right. I'll find. Just make it. so when you go to LA, it's um, people talk about how you know I'm in Utah, and people say, "Oh, Utah's like a bubble," and I'm like, "Well, th- there's no bubble bigger than the LA bubble. Like it is the bubble of all bubbles." Okay. And everybody has their to the point that one of the producers. He produced music for for the film at the end, the, the final music. And he was in L.A. And he said that somebody found out after a whole dinner that he's a Christian. And they turned to their friend and they're like, see, I told you, Christians are people too. Oh, wow. <laughs> but there is kind of like a, I mean, they had become really good friends during that meal. And there was just, there's a bubble element there. And so 
when you're looking at that and then the way that things have been done for the last decades, we are coming in and we're doing everything different. So the, the, the problem we see with the Hollywood system, best filmmakers come out of LA, best artists come out of LA, craftsmen are coming out of LA, and the Hollywood system is producing amazing talent. Mm. Where we believe it's broken is in the gatekeepers. Mm. And so you have people who don't have the same value sets as main, the middle, like heartland America, or even the world, making all the decisions of what comes in and what goes out. And they do a great job with diversity of skin color, diversity of sexual orientation. They do those well. They're representing, probably over-representing some areas. But where they miss is like diversity of actual ideas. Yeah. And diversity of faith. Because mm. you look at just the, the U.S. population, you have 60 plus percent of Americans are religious mm -hmm. and they believe in God and they go to church every week. And it's probably even higher than that. But let's, and then there's a group of them that are very religious. And then you watch movies or watch film, the content coming out of Hollywood, and it's just basically like non-existent. Yeah. So there's not like a true representation of what the, they may have a representation of what the, the culture looks like or what skin color, different, certain types of like aesthetic diversity, but from a faith world or from a ideological world, the diversity is not very strong. Hmm. And we think we can fix that by fixing the gatekeepers. But why do you, and you may not be prepared to answer this question, and if you're not, it's okay. Why do you think that is? So I'm a communication professor, and I work mm -hmm. with young people. And what I hear all the time, actually, I'm in a film program. I don't teach in the film program, but we have yeah. one. And I hear all the time, why is it that there's no good? We have the Bible has some of the best stories, right? Yes. And yet there's yeah. so few good examples of it being told by storytellers. Why? All of early Hollywood is this way. The glory days, you got Ten Commandments, you have Ben-Hur. Like They were the top of the top. Yeah. They were the biggest budgets, the best filmmakers, the best craftsmen. And it has shifted over time. The best way for me to describe what's coming out of Hollywood, the primary stuff that's coming out of Hollywood and that the gatekeepers are letting through is nihilism. Every single film you watch, and, and and people are sick of it. People people are tired of nihilistic stuff. This is the reason why I think in 2020, when the pandemic hits and everybody's hunkering down in their houses because they're not sure what this is going to look like, that The Chosen takes off. Mm. Because people, they have all this nihilistic content that's dark and heavy and very like the the moral of every story is everybody's bad. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like you get done and all the good guys switch to bad guys and all the good bad guys switch and everything's mixed up and mushy on a like a, a principle level. And the chosen comes out and it just has a real clear distinction. What is good and what is evil is very clear in a in a really good storytelling environment. People are drawn to something that's filled with more light rather than just nihilism. And I would say The Chosen, I'm a big fan of mm -hmm. The Chosen. By the way, it's a top five TV series. If you have been living under a rock and you haven't seen it, you absolutely have to watch this show. It is show. so good. Yes. Truly changed the game, I think, um, mm -hmm. on Christian content. I have 
many times paused it because I'm just weeping. And I think part of it is not just, it's the authenticity to even the time I think that's displayed. The one I'm thinking of is the woman at the well. Yes. That scene, so rarely, and just as a woman who works in ministry, so rarely do people accurately portray that. And that show did, and I've I've just been blown away by it. Do you know why? What would you say contributed to The Chosen's success? So I'm a strong believer in what's called the user method. Uh, If there's there's a book, you can get it on Audible. It's called The User Method by Jeff Schwarting. And it goes through case studies. It's a not a very big book, but it's very like it's super impactful to the way I think. And in it, he goes through and he talks about how most of the massive global brands that we know, the majority of them came from somebody who was doing what's called the user method, which means they're solving a problem for themselves. So an example would be the Airbnb founders. They're trying to figure out how do we pay our rent in San Francisco? And they come up with an idea to run down the street, buy some air mattresses for a convention that's close by. And then they take those air mattresses, blow them up, put them on their floor, and then they throw on Craigslist a listing saying, hey, you can stay right next to the convention center for much cheaper if you just want to stay on air mattresses. And they were able to pay their rent. And so they started a business solving this problem of saying, how do we get it to where other uh, renters can pay rent if they live next to conventions? And they called it Airbnb, the air air mattress Mm -hmm. bed and breakfast. And slowly that has turned by listening to customers and building what they would hope to see. They they have turned it into something that's bigger than any hotel chain. Another example would be Steve Wozniak. He hated the computers that existed. And so he just said, I'm going to make my own computer that I like. And he and Steve Jobs realized later that it's a computer lots of people Mm -hmm. would like. And so it goes through and gives example after example after example of founders that are building what they want to see. And so Angel Studios, when I watched The Shepherd, late 2017, The Shepherd is the very first film that Dallas made a little short film for his church about this Mm. little shepherd cripple boy. And when I watched it, I just was like, I want more of this. Like, this is, Mm. this is what we want out of a Bible movie or a Bible TV series would be this type of content. And so I, I called Dallas and I talked to him and eventually we, we came to um, a deal where we were just like, Hey, let's, let's get together. And for angel studios, let's build our game of Thrones, our house of cards. And he and Amanda, we, we met in Utah and, chatted about it. And eventually we came and said, we're going to do this. We're going to pull the trigger. And the goal was to build it out of crowdfunding. But just getting back to why this is working is because we're building as Angel Studios content that we want our families to see. I wanted, Mm -hmm. and my brothers, co-founders of Angel Studios, wanted the content Dallas is creating. That's what we wanted. And it happens to work for millions and millions or hundred plus million people around the world the same way. It's what they want to see too. And so there weren't focus groups. Like we were told by investors, by industry experts, there have been a million Jesus movies going after another Jesus movie or series is just a voice in the crowd. This has been done a hundred times. And our answer is, well, it hasn't been done like this. We, we think this will work. So mm-hmm. uh, yeah. So user method. What would you say though, as far as 
the content, again, I'm an apologist probably for The Chosen, but the content is fantastic. But there is an element, I think, of marketing strategy that is unique that you guys have done Mm -hmm. that has really set you apart. What is the Angel Guild? Can you explain that to our listeners? Okay. So the Angel Guild is the system that we're using and the group of people Angel Studios has assembled to compete with the Hollywood gatekeepers. So if you invest in an Angel Studios film, so if you invested in The Chosen or you invested in Dry Bar Comedy, that was the one that came before The Chosen. It gets about a billion views a year. It's stand-up comedy that's safe to listen to while you're doing your laundry at home and you don't have to worry about your kids. This is a part Um, of your network too? Yeah, yeah. Dry Bar Comedy. I'm going to look that up. Yeah, Dry Bar Comedy gets about a billion views a year. Wow. And it has 650 comedians that aren't necessarily normally safe to watch with your family. But we invite them to Angel Studios and they shoot a stand-up special that is safe. They do one specifically for the brand Dry Bar Comedy. And then uh, those have blown up. I mean, they're, they're massive. It's, it's got, I think 150 million viewers worldwide. So it's a similar size to the chosen and, but drive our comedy angel guild. If you've invested in them, if you've invested in the chosen, if you've invested in Tuttle twins or wing feather saga, Tuttle twins is about, it's a, it's a educational content. It's like magic school bus meets Simpsons for meets Phineas and Ferb or, um, you know, it's, it's a very humorous, funny show that teaches your kids about freedom and uh, economics. Okay. And then you have the Wig Feather Saga, which is a best-selling book by Andrew Peterson. It turned into a series. Andrew Peterson is a famous uh, Christian musician. Um, and beautiful, beautiful series. But if you've invested in any of these projects, then you have a chance to join the Angel Guild. And so you're an angel investor and you get to be part of the Angel Guild. And then mm. we have about 60 filmmakers a week reach out to Angel Studios asking to be a part of Angel Studios. Okay. We ask them to bring a finished piece of content or what we call a torch, which is like a prototype. And as those submissions come in, as an Angel Guild member, you get to watch all the different submissions coming in. You get to watch the Angel Guild members got to see Sound of Freedom months mm. ago. They got to see it back in, was it February or March? They were watching Sound of Freedom inside the Angel Guild, and then they cast a vote to decide whether or not it passes a threshold to be a, to be qualified to become an Angel Studios film. Most content, 95 plus percent, never makes it past the Angel Guild. And so the Angel Guild only picks the very okay. best. Sound of Freedom, knocked it out of the park. His Only Son, knocked it out of the park. Uh, Dry Bar Comedy and The Chosen came before the Angel Guild, but I think they would have done really well. Sound of Freedom, I'm sure you're very aware that there's been quite the stir about this film, some people linking (laughs) it to QAnon. Where is that? Can you just tell us, where is that coming from? Well, it's it's interesting. So this movie was originally created by 20th Century Fox. Okay. Right? This film was created by 20th Century Fox, that really well-known QAnon organization. (laughs) Um, (laughs) They made the film, and then Disney bought them. And then Disney shelved the film. And what, why they shelved it, I don't know. It's my, my best guess is as good as anybody's best guess. But eventually, they let the filmmakers buy it back out. And then they brought it to Angel Studios years later. And they went through the pandemic. They had all kinds of like issues trying to get this film out to distribution. Mm. 
And we signed with them in March or April of this year and then decided to launch on the 4th of July. Everybody who has seen this film, everybody knows it has nothing to do with conspiracy theories. What's wild is the way that the media has latched on. There was a few early writers that wrote, put, try to put labels on it. They would try to say it's faith-based. You know, there's kind of a brand around faith-based to try to make it feel less, yeah. um, like lo yeah. lower production yeah. quality. A lot of people think of that was the hardest part about getting people to watch The Chosen in 2020. Is in 2019 when we first released The Chosen. I'd go to my friends and say, hey, I've bought 100 copies of this season. I emailed you one and I sent it to 100 different people and like two or three mm -hmm. watched. And because they didn't want to watch a faith-based yeah. project. And so I would like drag people in. First, I'd invite them over for Sunday dinner, have dinner. And then I'd say, okay, now we're going to watch the first couple episodes <laughs> of The Chosen. And they're like, oh, I got to go. And I'd be like, no, I have spent the last two years of my life working on this project. You are going to sit down. You're going to watch this movie so I can figure out. One episode and you know that it's yeah. good. Yeah, yeah. Well, I usually say it takes, you got to get to episode four to be like completely hooked. But some yeah, people are hooked right at I was yeah. in. Sold. <laughs> yeah. I learned if you can get people through episode four, they're in the whole entire thing. Okay. Gotcha. One episode gets a good chunk of people in though. So I would drag them. I'd sit them down in the chair and say, you're going to watch this movie. This is the last two and a half years of my life has been trying to get this movie off the ground. <laughs> you're going to watch it. And every single time they loved it. Yes. And I knew who watched the movie when I sent it to them by who would contact me and say, I can't believe what you guys have made. Yeah. And I, I I just remember being like, how do we get people to watch this movie? So, but the, the, the barrier was, and that's a different, totally different subject, but the barrier was the faith-based label. Okay. The fact that it was a Bible movie or a Bible series, there was a small group of people who jump and say, yes, I want to see another Bible <laughs> thing. But the vast majority say, nah. That's but is the sound me. of freedom even a Bible? No, no. But I, I just getting back to that, they labeled it as faith-based to okay. try to get that label in there to say, that's not for me. That was the idea is that gotcha. these labels came out right out the gate. And then there were um, there were people trying to put other labels on it around it saying it's a conservative film or trying to say, and because they would say, oh, Jim Caviezel, the, one of the main actors is a conservative, you know, he's conservative. But then you've got Mira Servino, who's more liberal, who plays his wife in the film, and she, she they, they talk like they probably don't agree on anything, but they agree <laughs> right, on this film, right? <laughs> and and so they, the, the labels were thrown on it right away, and to try to slow it down. And the, the reasons for that are more unknown, like why why they wanted to push these kind of like they made up conspiracy theories about this film mm. to try to get people to not. To say, oh, that's a signal I'm not supposed to watch. Hmm. What, but, but what we had done is before those started coming out, those all started coming out about 24, 48 hours before the movie launched. Okay. We had already pre-sold over $10 million of tickets. Wow. And those were across the spectrum, meaning it was Democrats, Republicans, you know, the whole entire spectrum of demographics, this film does extremely well with Latinos. Like, go when we launched in Puerto Rico, it beat out 
the film in Puerto Rico beat out Mission Impossible, Indiana Jones, Oppenheimer, and Barbie. Wow. All, like it didn't just beat out Indiana Jones and, and Mission Impossible, which underperformed. It beat out all of them in Puerto Rico. And so Latinos, because this is a Mexican producer, Mexican director, gotcha. they know that this is their film. And it, the whole thing's in Latin America, and Jim Caviezel's the only like white guy in the whole thing. But okay. you go in and you look at – you've already had $10 million of tickets sold – before any of these labels came out. And because of that, they all came out of the theater. And that first opening night, we were getting reports of double standing ovations, standing ovations, oh, wow. people weeping, people getting up and hugging complete strangers after the film. This is something you don't see in cinema very much. Right. But it was across like hundreds and hundreds of accounts of ovations and standing ovations. And these people mm -hmm. walked out united and then they would get on social media and suddenly see this like onslaught of labels and conspiracy theories about the film. And they'd turn around and say, this is not true. Mm -hmm. And so social media exploded because there was this labeling effort going on against the film. And then everybody who had seen the film said, this is bullcrap. This isn't real. This is all made up. These, these people talking about the film the way they're talking about it haven't even watched mm -hmm. the film. It was very clear why just even the statements they make about the film that they, they hadn't seen it. And so you end up with just like a war on social media within hours of it launching where – it is media elites coming in with their labels, trying to attack the film, mm. and then the people who had seen the film coming up and saying no. And then within 24 hours, we were the number one trending on Twitter. And then we were over and over again, day after day, for like the first seven days, the number one trending on Twitter. This episode is brought to you in part by World Relief, an organization that partners with the local church to serve the most vulnerable. Around the world, increased conflict, the lingering effects of COVID-19, and disasters caused by our changing climate have left millions of people in desperate situations. Many are fleeing their homes and are facing starvation, persecution, and more. These overwhelming challenges cause many of us to wonder, can I make a difference? The answer is simple. Yes, you can. When you join The Path, World Relief's monthly giving community, you partner with World Relief in bringing hope and transformation to the millions experiencing vulnerability around the world. And when you partner with your monthly gift by September 30th, your first year of monthly gifts will be matched dollar for dollar up to $25,000. Double the impact of your giving and visit worldrelief.org slash viraljesus today. That's what I wanted to ask you was it's done really well at the box office, right? Yep. Yes. It, we're past 175 million. It, it's out in the domestically, it's outperformed Indiana Jones and uh, Mission Impossible. Absolutely amazing. Can yeah. you tell us quickly about your pay it forward model? Oh, yeah. What yeah. does that look like and how successful has that been? This is how we got the chosen going. 
is the pay it forward model. Let's just go back in a little bit in history. So we were in okay. 2019 and I was dragging people in to watch The Chosen. And I couldn't get them to watch unless I dragged them in. But when they finished watching, they would say, I'll practically like, I'll do anything for this project. Yeah. And, <laughs> and then... And then I would go online and we were seeing the same thing where people were giving links to their friends and buying the movie. And this was before it, we were using Pay It Forward. Huh. But nobody was watching the movie that they were sending the links to. And so in inside the groups, there were people that would come on and they would say, oh, I really wish I could watch this series, but I can't afford to pay. I don't remember how much it was, but you had to pay something to buy the first season. Yeah. And, and then... Every single time somebody said, I can't afford it, somebody would pop in. I've never met them, don't know them from somewhere else in the world and say, send me your email. I'll buy you a copy and I'll send it to you. Hmm. 100% of the time. And so we, we were in a little group and we were talking about this, this phenomenon of people. And it clicked. We were like, what if we let the people who are on fire for this film pay for the people who actually want to watch it rather than trying mm -hmm. to get their friends to watch it and connect those two mm. over the app. And so that, and then we were, we're like, maybe we call it like donations or, and we're like, but that's all nonprofit stuff. And this is a for-profit venture. So um, let's call them pay it forwards, like Starbucks coffees where people mm. pay for, they pay for the person behind them. Do you have the numbers on how many people have been able to see the film because somebody else? Yeah, it, it follows kind of a, I mean, this is rough, but a 99-1 rule. Okay. So if, you, if you've ever played Fortnite, Epic Games, they created a model where it used to be, I don't know if you game at all. Do you play games? I, I don't, but I'm sure somebody okay. listening is yeah, right, right there picking this up as you put it down. <laughs> so year, years ago, you would go to GameStop or you go to Walmart or whatever and you would buy Halo and you'd buy like a $60 Blu-ray or you'd, you'd pay 60, 70 bucks for the game. And they would launch and everybody go buy them and they'd play it all they want. Um, Fortnite comes out and they say, you know what? We're just going to give equally good gameplay completely free online and we're going to monetize it in different ways. And so they've discovered the 99-1 rule, which is 90% of people just they just, they call them lurkers. They come, they play for free, and they never, ever give any um, financial benefit to the company. And then, but they spread the word, and 9% of those people come in and they pay or they contribute to the, they're buying skins or different things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then there's 1% who actually create stuff and actually contribute to the community and they build things within that world. So we've seen something similar with Chosen where, 90% people just watch for free, 9% end up, the 99-1 rule where 9% end up paying for something and then 1% actually uh, like invest and become an angel investor in a future project. The chosen, that means that 90% of people are watching because somebody else paid for them. Oh, wow. So it's, it's really, it's a really cool model. So we took that same model and that model has paid for all of season two and all of season three of The Chosen. Now there's also a nonprofit that's come in and they're helping pay for future seasons. And so it's now pay it forward and nonprofit stuff. Pay it forward model is what created the economics 
for the chosen to go worldwide and reach 120 plus million people. If you look at from a standpoint of Sound of Freedom, we took it. And when you watch Sound of Freedom, you finish the movie. And there's a while you're kind of cooling down from this like thriller hero film, you're cooling down, you're getting a little counter that says there'll be a special message in two minutes. And then Jim Caviezel comes up and he explains the concept that during slavery, Harriet Beecher Stowe wrote a book called Uncle Tom's Cabin. Mm -hmm. And Abraham Lincoln said, so you're the little lady who started this war. When he, when he met this little mm -hmm. tiny woman, he said, you're the little lady who started this big war, this great war, something like that. And he credited to her with helping end, ending slavery by being the number one selling book of that century outside the Bible. Mm -hmm. So Jim Caviezel explains this concept, and then he quotes Steve Jobs, and he says, the most powerful person in the world is the storyteller. And he says, because this movie is about two kids that are kidnapped and trafficked in Latin America. And he says, while this movie is out, we can make these kids' story and the countless kids they represent the most powerful people in the world. Mm. The, these kids that have no voice, there's two million of them worldwide, we can make them the most powerful people in the world by making this movie the Uncle Tom's Cabin of this century. Mm. And we did something that hasn't been done before Angel Studios, which is we put up a QR code and said, pay it forward. Mm. Buy tickets for other people. And people, if you go to the movie, you'll see it. Every single time you go to a movie, if there's any number of people in there, you'll see people come up, they scan the code, and they start buying tickets for other people. And then if you go to angel.com slash free tickets, so the viewers on here, you can go get a couple free movie tickets to Sound of Freedom right now mm. and go watch the movie for free. And somebody else who watched the movie paid it forward for you to watch that movie because they care so deeply about this message getting out. Mm. Same thing with The Chosen. Um, you know, it's it's been a massive success. And so before we started this, there were a lot of there's there's 6,000 different organizations that are trying to raise awareness and fight child sex trafficking. 6,000 different nonprofits. And I have a philosophy where I believe if you really, really want to change the world and change culture, you need to build a for-profit economic engine. Mm. That the reason why Game of Thrones is the biggest TV series of all time is because they built an engine that allowed that thing to just grow and grow. And I'm not endorsing that message right. at all. But they grew and grew and grew, and it became the number one TV series in the world. And the way that we're going to get The Chosen to be the number one TV series and the way that we're going to get Sound of Freedom, well, basically, like, it's on track. Right now, it's in the top 10 movies of the year. And um, the way that we, we pull this off is by building an economic engine that is unabashedly going for good economics to build mm – -hmm and awareness for this cause. And, and this is so important because the film, I was at CinemaCon earlier this year, and it's a, it's a CinemaCon's this event where the filmmakers, the studios come and pitch all of the theaters, the cinemas, all the little mom and pop 
shops all over the country who own little theaters on taking their movies because hmm. they have to agree to buy their movie or put it up on their screen. And when I was there, Martin Scorsese did an interview with Leonardo DiCaprio. And in that interview, I believe this is where it was, is where he says, as big as Netflix has gotten and as big as these other streaming platforms have gotten, the real culture changer is when something goes big in the in the movie theaters. Mm. For all the viewership Netflix has, they're not shifting culture as much as all these movies that go on the silver screen. Mm. And I think he has a point. Because Sound of Freedom, it could have gotten, you know, 100 million views on social media or something, right? But the amount of impact it's had by being in the big screen is greater because of where we chose to launch it. That's fascinating. Why do you think that is about movies? Is it the collective experience of it? Yeah. Okay. So just a couple things. Yeah. I believe that cinema has a bright future. Hmm. I'm a recent convert to this. When we were working on The Chosen, I believed that TV series are the, because you get in deep and you get to go long on these. You can build a community around it. But cinema, Andrew Peterson has a, a blog, uh, an organization called The Rabbit Room. And in The Rabbit Room blog, there's, an, there's a blog post called The, the Sacrament of the Cinema. And this is a, something that sparked an idea for me. He explains in, the, in this blog post how when you go to the theater, it's very similar to sacrament. Hmm. And sacraments like communion or I don't know what all the different terminologies are. When yeah. you go into church and you take the sacrament, you remove all of your distractions. Hmm. You voluntarily give up your screens, give up all your work, all your distractions, and you're focused in a communal experience with another group of people on Christ and what that sacrament represents, his crucifixion and resurrection, and you're, you're completely focused. And the parallels with that and going into a theater when we're bombarded with social media that one of the quickest outs to be able to have a calming experience, unwind for people, especially in big cities, is to sneak away to a cinema and have a communal experience with all these other people in the same room. And you give up your phones, you give up your distractions, and you're sitting, it's just you and the message that director is giving you. And, and you're able to decompress and have a sacramental-like experience with a bunch of other people. And there's no pause button. There's no yeah. play button. You can't say, oh, I need to go make a phone call. If you have a thought, you wait till it's done, right? right. And that doesn't happen at home. And so you don't have that same – because part of the sacrament is, is that, like, at least in my congregation, they shut the doors and you do the sacrament and everybody's there is there and you're kind of like – in it, right? You're 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 doing yeah. that together, and nobody's leaving unless your kid. Like I, I've got little kids, <laughs> so sometimes like some cra crazy stuff can happen, and you're trying to trying yes. to get out as fast as you can because you're disrupting everybody else. But beyond that, <laughs> you're in it with them, and yeah. I think that that is what the world is craving right now: is the ability to disconnect and mm. get off of these screens. And have yeah. a story-giving experience that heals them, that brings, so, like teaches them something. 
when we have 15 million plus people so far, and it's probably going to be many multiples more than that, have watched, like when we say, oh, there's 120 million people that have watched The Chosen, that's 120 million people that watched at least one episode, Mm. right? Yeah, interesting. Or at least enough of an episode to say they are a viewer, right? And But when you go to a cinema, we have 15 million people who have watched an entire two-hour experience without interruptions, without a pause button, without a play button, and it allows them to have a life-changing experience. I study storytelling. So this is interesting for my own brain because essentially you get to sit through the entire story, That's right. which is different. Different than being at home. At home. It's totally with, different. Yeah, with TV. And people are craving it because whether or not we intuitively understand it, but whether or not we've articulated it well, yeah, we're craving to get away from all the distractions, get focused. And our minds, it is, it is healing for our minds. It's like... Those meditative experiences, those sacramental experiences are designed by God to heal you. It's not just Mm -hmm. the symbolism and everything, but you need quiet to quiet your mind. You need to focus on things and not just constantly have TikTok notifications and swipes and junk food coming into your soul and your brain. Unfortunately, most of cinema is nihilistic. And so you're having a nihilistic Mm -hmm. sacramental experience. (laughs) But what we're trying to provide and what we're trying to do is create a system that replaces the Hollywood gatekeepers for the people that want this. I'm not saying there isn't a market for the other stuff, mm-hmm. but it replaces those Hollywood gatekeepers where you have excellent content that amplifies light and you can go into that cinema and you can surrender all the distractions and have an experience with God or have an experience with a hero or a person that will change your life. That's why mm-hmm. I think I think cinema has a, a long life ahead of it. Totally different than VR. Totally different than all the other stuff. Jeffrey Harmon is the chief content officer of Angel Studios. His latest movie is out right now, Sound of Freedom. You can go to angel.com slash free tickets if you are on the fence about it. Somebody has already paid it forward for you. Jeffrey, our show is called Viral Jesus. The last question I ask everybody who comes on the show is this. What do you think it means to be a Christian when we are online? That's a great question. It's interesting because I'm actually in the opposite mode right now. My entire life has been, my entire career since I was 21 and I first got a cell phone because I grew up on farms, didn't have cell phones until I was 21. Um, the was social media. We did or brush, squatty potty, poopery, mattress, poopery, purple mattresses, Lumi deodorant, marketed all these products and it took them to global brands. And I've been thinking about specifically about how as a Christian to spread the gospel. And I've, rather than being online, like our family has started, what we do is no screen Sabbath. We just put away all the phones, Mm. put away all the computers for Sunday and just disconnect. And so Mm. for me, and it's an experiment, Gabriel Oat is a friend of mine from Silicon Valley. And you don't need to know his name, but I just want to credit him for this. But he said, we have learned, he helped, he worked on the original iPhone team. 
he said, I've watched as the impact of the information age has taken place. And he said, we have scaled information really, really well. Oh, wow. Scaled it globally extremely well. But we have not scaled empathy. He said, empathy has not scaled with information. And people say the most vile, terrible things online. One of the things about a Christian is to rise above that. Hmm. But on top of that, he says, there's only two ways he's seen to scale empathy. Because empathy is a one-to-one thing. Um, Like, for example, Angel Studios, we have rules. You can talk politics at work, but you have to be face-to-face. No politics with a coworker over the internet. And then number two rule is Ruth Bader Ginsburg-Scalia rule. It's the Ginsburg-Scalia rule where they Mm. disagreed all the time on politics, but they were really close friends outside of the political world. And they're chief justices. And so we say, you can argue about politics, you can disagree with each other at work, but it has to be face-to-face. And when you're done, you're still friends. The Ginsburg-Scalia mm-hmm. rule. So, but that's only possible. We've, we've seen it over and over again where if people yeah. are arguing online, they actually lose their friendship in real life. But if you let them have that same conversation in real life Absolutely. face-to-face, they stay friends. And so we made mm-hmm. that rule a policy as a company. What Gabe said is he said... One-on-one works for empathy. Number two, worship works for empathy. When people come in and they worship together, they have empathy for one another. And he said number three is telling amazing stories. Yeah. And so I I know that's not the best answer. Um, but No, it, I actually really like it. I'm trying to give principles of the way I'm thinking yeah. about it, and I don't have it articulated in a way that's concise or like a one-liner. Like you asked a question, I'm— thinking in my spare time at nights and on the weekends, this is the problem my wife, Annie Ellie, and I are trying to solve for our family is what are Christians online? What is being a Christian online? And how Mm. do we, and part of that is letting go of online and shutting it off on Sundays for us. I think that's really good. Jeffrey Harmon is the chief content officer of Angel Studios' latest film, Sound of Freedom. Thank you so much for joining us, Jeffrey. What can we learn from my conversation with Jeffrey Harmon? Number one, Jeffrey sees Angel Studios as a Hollywood disruptor. And I I love that. I think it's important for Christians to not avoid culture, but rather use the gifts God has given you excellently to start impacting the conversations. Number two, Jeffrey says that at Angel Studios, they are not allowed to discuss politics unless they are willing to do it face-to-face. And I, oh my goodness, I love that policy. I, I know you guys, as my Viral Jesus family, you know how important our communication is with one another. And we do miss so much when we don't do it face-to-face. So I think when it is possible This is such a great rule to have as a Christian. Just remember this. If you are going to have a crucial conversation, have it face-to-face. It's the exact same thing I always say to my students. If you have a crucial conversation, I don't want you to text it. I don't want you to send a DM. Don't publicly troll people either. Sit down with somebody and have a face-to-face conversation. It will absolutely change the outcome. Number three, Jeffrey says part of being a Christian online is getting off it. 
And I appreciate that. I also practice a social media Sabbath. He does the same thing. I don't get on my socials from Friday night to Saturday night. That's my Sabbath. If you ever see a post from me during those hours, Haley, who runs my social media, it would be that she has put it out or she scheduled it ahead of time. Because for me, that's my personal Sabbath. And I really do agree that it's incredibly important, friends, that we are unplugging one day a week, right? And Or more, whatever it looks like for you. But for me, it's one day a week where I just make sure that I am being present and I'm dialed in to the people that are around me in my face-to-face life. Viral Jesus was brought to you by Christianity Today. I've been your host and creator, Heather Thompson Day, producer and audio engineer, Lauren Joseph, and executive producer, Ed Gilbreth. Please review and recommend us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. You are not going to want to miss next week. Man, you don't want to miss any episodes, honestly, this season because we're coming in hot. But I am so excited about this next pod class that we're going to do. I have had people asking me about this pod class. (laughs) all summer. It's called Disrupting American Gods. I mean, we are, we're going to be a little spicy in here for the next three weeks. The pod class is absolutely on fire. We will talk to author Caitlin Shass about disrupting the American God of politics. We will talk to the TikTok professor, Garrison Hayes, about disrupting thoughts on race. And we will talk to rapper KB about disrupting our thoughts on Jesus. Oh my goodness, you will not want to miss this podcast. Three excellent conversations that I hope are not avoiding culture, but are trying to impact it. We are going to learn so much together, and I want you to take notes as we do in our pod classes. So I'll see you next week for another conversation where a viral Jesus guest talks, and you and I listen so we can learn. I love growing with you on Viral Jesus. Every day, CT testifies to the reality that Jesus is alive, transforming his world and bringing his kingdom to bear. Jesus transforms, CT equips. Make a gift to our nonprofit ministry with a gift of $20 to provide 150 more people with redemptive storytelling global perspective, and thoughtful podcasts. Give now at morect.com equip.